today on From A to Ziggy, Art Decade. Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast in which we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. And I am Travis. And today we're talking about Art Decade, or Art Decade. Uh, it's kind of a pun. Yeah, this whole thing is just puns on puns on puns. <laughs> puns within puns. Puns within puns. Wheels within wheels. From the album with, of course, a pun for an album cover. Low. Do you know about that? I don't think about, I... About the, the visual pun on the album cover? I don't cover think I picked up on the visual pun. So, a good visual pun. So there's, there's David, his name mm-hmm. up top, David Bowie, and then under that is Low, and then you see the profile of David Bowie. It's like Low profile yeah it's got like the collar up yeah Yeah, right and it's yeah he's like subverting his whole superstar persona i guess yeah i don't know if that's deliberate or not but i bet it is people talk about that it's a thing people talk about speaking of things people talk about today it's kind of a difficult song yeah it's just a very ominous repetitive instrumental there's not a ton going on so we have a, a, another song co-written with uh, Brian Eno, mm-hmm. right? It's got a very Eno-esque sound to it. Lots of layers of synthesizers and weird sound effects going on in the background. Yeah, it's just a very strange song. According to the wiki page, song it, it starts with a quick introduction on percussion and vibraphone. Which I like. I like the beginning. I guess it's a vibraphone sort of... I, always I didn't it realize it was a synthesizer. A, I didn't realize it was a vibraphone until I looked down there i assumed it was all synthesizers and yeah you can hardly tell yeah that there's any kind of acoustic instrument yeah in this song but there's there's a sort of there's a weird kind of harmonious tone like on a on a keyboard that's sort of being played i don't know i'm not really sure how to describe it but vibraphone yeah is i guess what it was go ahead Um, i interrupted yeah, so I guess half the song doesn't even stray from an E major chord of all. It's a two-note melody just repeats over and over and over. Like at the end, it becomes just like two notes. Yeah, toward, like in the second half of the for, song. Yeah, for about half the song. But it starts out more than that. But then by the end, it's just like two notes yeah. back and forth. Yeah, the first half is definitely a lot more interesting. And it, uh, it's got kind of a structure to it. I think it's nine bars. It's in four, four time, nine bars, and then it repeats the same nine bars. And then it repeats the same two bars for the rest, for yeah. most of the rest of the song. And then I think it brings it back. I believe it does. The original nine bars, and then it repeats again. But there's more going on there. There's something going on there. I think the way they put it together, it involves counting out bars. And then I think they wrote down what, which instruments or which parts to bring in on a given bar. This was one of Brian Eno's studio tactics towards arranging something in an unusual way. It is very, it's kind of a scientific approach to it. Yeah, um, very measured and... Which I get, which is something that a lot of, I mean, it, it's a very influential thing that he did because it's how a lot of the modern artists do things now is it is, it's less about writing and creating a piece of music so much as it is like making this like blueprint of sounds and just piecing it all together and... Yeah, but with this it was probably done with a lot more analog instruments than is done now. Right. Yeah, this was just done with recording on tape. Yeah, and then having having that hidden track, the number track, on tape with the rest of the recording, and then just silencing it out. 
But it really it introduced a new era of needing to have like a technical savvy to create a, like, these weird soundscapes. Yeah. Which they did something similar. Uh, the Beatles did something similar on A Day in the Life. Yeah. Right? Where, uh, who was, what was his name? Jeff Emmerich? Is that the guy that was, uh, he's counting off the measures before they did the uh, string section yeah. overdub? He's sort of, he's counting in the measures until they're supposed to start up again so that they could have the space on the tape to lay in the, the overdub. Which they did in this recording, I think it was done in multiple sessions. They started out at that chateau in France, or was it Switzerland? Or was it Sweden? I always forget. Um, this one was, some of it was in France and some of it was in Germany. Okay, yeah, the chateau in France. Yeah. And then the rest of it was recorded in Hansa Studio in Berlin. And so it was in Berlin where the inspiration for the name of this song comes from. So he uh, named it after a street that was called Art Decade. I mean, this is what it said. No way. The, this is according to the wiki page. So this is a very good chance, like at least a 50% chance that this is bullshit. No, I'm not saying I don't believe you. Oh, no. I, anytime just... I, I reference anything from wiki in my life at all. That was a positive no way. I, I pre- preface it with, hey, it's from wiki. This could be made up. So it said, uh, the song was named for a street Bowie had encountered in West Berlin, whose name was a pun on the Art Deco style, which... You, everyone knows how those Germans love their puns. <laughs> Lighthearted and pun-loving people. Yeah. <laughs> but the song is a portrait piece of a certain location in West Berlin. Which, if it's a portrait of that place, it feels the opposite of... Like, if it's, it's just German puns are very dark, I guess. Okay, so Art Deco becomes Art... Art Decade. Decade. Art Decade. And uh, so... He, it says he later called West Berlin um, a city cut off from its world, art and culture, dying with no hope of retribution. Which that is exactly what this song sounds like. That's West Berlin. That's West Berlin. Yeah. Or is it Berlin as a whole? Uh, West Berlin. So cut off, cut off from the east part of it. Yeah. Is that what he means? Just cut off from its world. It doesn't really mention in relation to East Germany. So yeah, it starts out with the. Is it a drum machine? Did they have drum machines back then? It sounds... That's what I was trying to figure out, too, because it doesn't just sound like a regular drum kit. Yeah, it sounds electronic. It sounds like the um, Casio preset for Bossa Nova. <laughs> like just a... Yeah. Like a, a tinny... I'm not sure, like just... Yeah, just a tinny repeating drum loop. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a metronome. Here we go. So this was on Eno's suggestion. They recorded a metronome. Clicking on the tape... And then they would call out the numbers of the clicks. And then they had a map of which parts to bring out. So like at when they said 33, that would be the cello. Or when they said whatever, 52 would be the another synthesizer would come. Um, no time signature, no chord progression, no bar structure, just numbers. So not, not even really bars, just numbers. Although it does kind of fit into a bar structure like you can count it out like i said it's nine nine bars i think which is odd still because yeah. you usually go with powers of two four eight things like that and so it has that sort of asymmetrical sound to it to the rhythm to the patterns of it because you're kind of expecting it to either end or continue yeah. for another double what it's gone but it just sort of continues one more bar so incredibly enough there actually is a live version that you can find on the internets, which is weird. Like I, I did not expect to be able to find a live version of this. It didn't feel like a song that at that time you could do live because it was from the tour in 78. Which was supporting 
it was before it was between heroes and lodger i think yeah yeah so there was there were a lot of low and heroes songs on that tour in fact yeah there's a whole record that came out another double live album stage that came out that's got all of those things on it and it's pretty faithful to the studio version yeah it's pretty much the same in that one you can definitely hear the vibraphone it definitely sounds more acoustic than it does in the studio version uh that one also has more guitar stuff going on more sort of noodling around on the yeah. guitar and the drums it's it's got just basically bass drum and either i think it's toms bass and toms rather than like a metronome ticket yeah, yeah stage is a really cool album Stage, you can get now, since 2005, there's the remastered, remixed version that Tony Visconti remixed, which keeps the sequence as it was in the concert and reincorporates a couple of songs that were left out of the LP version. But in the original LP, it was arranged so that the it had a weird arrangement. Cause I, so I think the way that the shows would go is you would get a few of the Ziggy Stardust song kind of in the middle to, to bring things up. Yeah, they would always open up with Warsaw. This really slow... We haven't gotten there yet, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Ways to go there. Uh, but they would start with this really slow song. This slow, wordless song. And then come in with some hero stuff. And then he would bring in some of the later 70s and then early 70s stuff. And finish this, the thing out with some station-to-station -station stuff. But on the original sequence for the album, they thought it would be cute to rearrange things by era. I think they rearranged it pretty much chronologically. So they started out yeah. with all the Ziggy Stardust songs and then some Station to Station and then Heroes and Low were kind of mixed up together. And if you read the, uh, what's it called? The groove on the inner, the inner part of the groove on the record. There's usually like a serial number written there or a message or something cute like that. So side A was, I think Ziggy was written in there and side B was station. And then, uh, what was it? Side C and side D were like combinations of heroes and low. So one was helos and the other was row or something like that. I forget what it was exactly. Anyway, anything else to say about art decade or art decade to yep. please our UK listeners? <laughs> it does kind of conjure up some thoughts about live albums for me. Yeah. So, well, I do, I think it is kind of cute and clever to put like all the stuff together by era. I don't know if I'm listening to a live album or watching like a live DVD or something and I can tell that stuff has been like if this song was played way earlier than this one there's always like little audio and visual cues throughout the set that tell you oh this must have been later in the set this must have been like pretty early in the set and that totally takes me out of it every time when that kind of thing have you seen that happen have you come across that the closest I could think of as far as like continuity and this is like gonna make if there's any hipsters listening to this is gonna make them seethe that I'm using this example, but I was watching a Red Hot Chili Peppers live DVD. I will defend liking certain years to, of the Chili Peppers to the death. I had this DVD and it was very clear that it was pieced together from different shows, like little things, you know, like, so it was when Anthony Kiedis had a very tall mohawk at the time. And like at some points in the song, it was like at half mast. And then at other points of the song, it was like sticking straight up. And everyone was kind of mostly wearing the same clothes, but there would be like little like color differences and stuff. That If you watch something close enough or, just, or dork about watching live stuff, they'll notice. If I'm going to watch a live 
show on like a DVD or on YouTube or listen to a live album. I want that fully immersed, like I'm at the concert experience. I need it to be like chronological, how it started, how it ended. You don't want any cuts between no cuts. songs. I want, you want all the. I want it fully immersive. You want to feel like you were. You want. You want the binaural dummy head in the audience yeah with uh with the the microphones inside the ears so that you can put on your headphones and you get the exact experience <laughs> faithfully reproduced i i want someone to stand uncomfortably close to me every time i'm listening to it and every so often like elbow me in the back because he's coming back from the bathroom spill drinks on you I, yes the you whole whole nine this the smell of various substances mm-hmm. wafting in front of you i just needed a nice immersive experience what about audience applause um, and cheers and talking and and calling out for like uh requests I mean, do you I, want I, the, I, do you want the guy in row 40 shouting freebird oh god <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing i've actually said so when i've gone to like open mic nights one thing i've always i have said to people before how is it if you go into a theater, you can to- if you yell fire, you'll get arrested. But like if you go to a concert, it's still totally legal for every asshole to yell free bird and think they're being so funny and original. They should be at least sight. That should be at least the equivalent of a parking ticket penalty wise. I'm not saying you should be arrested for it, but there should be a slap on the wrist. It's been done. You're stop. Just stop. Anyone who's listening to this, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Stop. No more yelling free bird at concerts. No more. We got to come up with a, a something you can put on a bumper sticker. Hashtag no yeah. more free bird. <laughs> there you go. Hashtag cage the bird. Oh yeah, Twitter is the new bumper sticker. <laughs> Twitter is the new bumper sticker. What'd you say? Cage the free bird. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag cage the bird. I know why the free bird sings. <laughs> no. I know why the cage bird refuses to sing free bird. Free bird. I'm fine with some like stage chatter though and some audience noise. Do you ever listen to bootleg recordings? Oh yeah, I like, actually I went through shows? a pretty intense bootleg phase in my early twenties. So there's a record store in my old town called Looney Tunes, and they had a great selection of bootleg CDs. So I used to go there like, at least once a week and like pick up one regular CD and then like a couple bootlegs. And anyone who's ever bought bootlegs knows it's a total crapshoot what you're gonna get. But it's kind of but it's part of the adventure because when you get a good one, it's it's you feel like you really accomplished something yeah but then you other times you've spent 15 dollars to hear really faint faint song mm. out of like one headphone and someone's screaming the lyrics to that song in the other headphone it's just a ruined experience uh, that's why i've never bought a bootleg uh, i've downloaded them from the internet there's a community of fans of the artist you may have heard of him beck once or twice listen to him a little bit uh, he's no beyonce He's right. He's just before Beyonce, as far as alphabetically mm-hmm. listing them goes. Um, yeah, he's right. He's right above Beyonce in the phone book. <laughs> so, but uh, he's he's usually been pretty cool about people trading bootlegs on the internet. And so, there's a lot of shows online. And it's yeah, it's nice to have like the kind of interaction that he has uh, with the audience. Like he'll talk about things between shows, uh, between songs. Um, and make jokes or like he'll cover some top 40 song in a semi-ironic way yeah bootlegs bootlegs are bootlegs are fun live live recordings live Mm. any other live albums that you would recommend um i mean i've got a number of like super nerdy 90s ones that i would get mocked for enjoying but all right um let's hear them 
and I know this totally goes against what I said before about live compilations, but I do really love the uh, the live Nirvana compilation that from the w- Money Banks to Wishka when that came out. I really enjoyed that, although I was totally that person who was like, oh, why did they put this version of Breed on when this other version of Breed is so much better? And like, um, I love how uh, I love how Nirvana comes out with that one from the Muddy Banks, like as if they came from the Bayou or something. Yeah, I've always thought Nirvana was like the uh, the Credence Clearwater Revival of rock music, <laughs> which you would think, which you would think would be Credence, but no, it's actually Nirvana. Twist. <laughs> I never thought about that before, but yeah, you might be right. They might be the grunge Credence, which of course Credence was from San Francisco. Anyway, yeah, so they weren't from the Bayou. They were not from the. Just rule of thumb: if someone says they're from the Bayou, they're not from the Bayou. I also, I, I was lucky enough to pick up at. A thrift store, the double album Wings Over America. And that's amazing. And actually, speaking of live Paul McCartney, the other day I was doing some mindless YouTube scanning and I found his performance from Bonnaroo 2013, which I had gone to. And it was, that was like, oh man, Paul McCartney is a transformative experience. I think you told that story. I think I may have. On the show. I, I, te- I will talk about seeing Paul McCartney for no reason at all. Um, I don't remember if I left it in. <laughs> you probably didn't, and I don't blame you. Do you want to share that story? I think I cut that out. Do you uh, want to tell the story? <laughs> so, and maybe, th- so this speaks to the, the possible dangers of buying bootlegs, because I could have been recording that show, and some poor sack would have paid $18 for this recording. There was this obnoxious group of people behind me while I was watching Paul McCartney, and their entire conversation, they were speaking in hashtags. Yeah, hashtag Paul McCartney, hashtag Bonnaroo. Oh man, this set is so awesome. Hashtag White Album. And it's just, it, it was, I've... I'm not a violent person. I have a very poor record in fights. My last fight I ever got in was in like seventh grade and I had to get my glasses fixed after. So I don't have a good history with violence. I would have killed these people and felt totally okay with it. Because you only get one chance in your life to see Paul McCartney. Yeah. I mean, listeners, correct us. Send corrections to podcast at from com. But uh, have you seen Paul McCartney more than once in your life? Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna guess yeah. no and prove me wrong. That's I, I just want people to email me. <laughs> I, do, I really just want comments. Um, <laughs> internet, flame us. You're not really on the internet until someone tells you how awful you are. You know what I really enjoyed just now was watching the sort of gang sig- symbol you were doing just oh, now. Oh, so the that's I haven't seen okay. This so this is a, I'm kind of out of the loop. I think that's this. fallen into my subconscious. So there was a bit that Jimmy Fallon had done with Justin Timberlake making fun of people that speak in hashtags and every time they said something they would hashtag it and then make the hashtag sign with their fingers which is if you haven't seen it a peace sign horizontally and then a regular peace sign and then you tap your hands together <laughs> hashtag yeah it's something like I me and my friends that watched the video with kind of it stuck in our system and it started off doing like oh we're totally doing this ironically hashtagging things and we started wondering are we really doing this are we really that terrible now every time I do it I die inside a little that's the thing with irony is yeah. it seeps into your core and then it becomes real and it yeah it becomes yeah. earnest and then you become the mount the mountain goats or uh <laughs> what's the who are the guys that do the jaunty banjo music and oh ads and grow beards and wear vests hipsters yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
heard most hipster thing ever the other day. It was this, um, we, we had some indie station on at work and this song came on. It was like a very slow folk bluegrass, like bluegrass folk song that hipster bands play. And it was all about going back to Brooklyn. And I could just like feel like my beard grew three sizes that day. Just listening to that song. Going back to Brooklyn. I don't remember where that thought was going in the first place, but to get can you people even buy bootlegs anymore? Is that even a thing, or is it just? I see them in certain stores that shall remain unnamed. That's a that, yeah, that's my oh, I hate to be all old man. You kids get off my lawn, but buying bootlegs in record stores and not knowing what you were gonna get was way more fun. You guys don't enjoy the thrill of the hunt anymore. I feel bad then for opting out of that whole experience just because I was kind of spoiled with the live shows that I wanted to listen to that were online. I had dial-up internet until like 2006, so oh, yeah. I had to buy physical copies. I remember down, trying to download a three-and-a-half-minute video of a musical performance, and it took me six hours to download the video. I knew that like nobody was gonna be home at my house that day. I everyone had to work because when I still I, was, I still lived with my parents. I was like nineteen or twenty. And I knew that we were all gonna be gone for a relatively similar block of time. So I started downloading it before I left for work, knowing that if anyone tried to call the house during the day, whatever, it wasn't gonna be a situation. Somebody anyway. wasn't gonna pick up the phone. Yeah. And make a phone call. Yeah. No one's gonna screw with my download. So I was able to. Someone wasn't gonna pick the phone yeah. receiver up from the cradle and activate the dial tone <laughs> which would interrupt this the sequence of tones that your computer your modem my needed, modem needed to make with your internet service provider yes. <laughs> oh god the point-to-point protocol would not be interrupted through the telnet yes. terminal <laughs> although someone may have tried to call and offer someone a job or there may have been a family emergency and no one would have ever known because i needed to have my three and a half minute music video that person would have gotten the busy signal they would have gotten a busy signal anything else to say about art decade slash um, decade i don't think i have anything else to add about the actual song and neither do i really uh ratings ratings um as far as uh droning instrumentals go i thought uh i liked abdul majid a little bit better i thought really i don't know why i just feel like i don't know maybe it was just because it sounded like n64 music and i it just really it brought me back to that which is a really Nostalgia. silly reason like uh, like a song but so i would give this just really half the song is interesting and the other half is kind of just droning so i'm going to give the first half of the song three mini moog synthesizers and the second half of the song two and a half mini moog synthesizers okay so for an average is that you, are you splitting it directly I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna split it okay that makes the averaging a little easier <laughs> we don't have to worry about like 16ths or 17 30 seconds so what is that 2.75 was it two and a half and three two and a half and three so 2.75 mini moog synthesizers yeah yeah it's around in that range for me too is this the one that's got the uh there's a really interesting sound in this one actually that i do i do really like but it only accounts for like two seconds of the actual music it's the kind of i guess it's I guess it's one of Brian Eno's weird synthesizers, um, either his the ARP or his little suitcase synthesizer. He had this one that didn't have keys or anything like that. I think it had like a joystick that, that you controlled it with. Um, I don't know if that's the one that makes this noise or not, but just an interesting side note about <laughs> Brian Eno's synthesizers. 
but it's the it's this it's this sort of like bubbling sound. Oh yeah. Bloop, bloop. Yeah. Uh, so for that for that this th- song gets like a half a point bump, but uh, I think it still ends up at about two. All right. So we did ratings. We talked about the song. We talked about things that were not the song. As our time winds down, we'll gear up for Wednesday's episode. We're going to talk about as the world falls down. So until then, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. We're at From A to Ziggy. You can email us, podcast at fromadaziggy.com. Tell us what you thought of Art Decade slash Art Decade slash how do you pronounce it? And please get trending. Hashtag Cage the Free Bird. We're going to start a movement. No more Freebird at concerts, unless right. you're at a Leonard Skinner show and they haven't played Freebird yet. That is the lone exception to that rule. Also Leonard Skinner and cover bands. Also Leonard Skinner and cover bands. Those two exceptions only. No one else is going to play Freebird. So get it going. Hashtag Cage the Freebird. Till then, I am Thomas. And I am Travis. Let's have some pizza. Let's have some pizza. Oh god, early internet. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun episode to edit. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to edit out, and I think all of this is staying in. Just leave it 45 minutes of us being old men. <laughs> <laughs>